Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Welcome to the Cappuccino episode number six. Uh, Constable Brian today's guest is Claire Conza, who's the founder of Make Give Live, and we'll explain what that's all about. The vice president of the Scandinavian Business Association. How many Scandinavians are there in New Zealand? That'll be one of the questions I'm asking. No, I'm teasing. I'm um, a communication specialist and a depression battler as well, which I think we've all had battles with as well. So, welcome, Claire. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. All right. Um, now, I've called this icebreaker around many things, but after seeing Speed, the movie, again, I'm now calling it the Pop Quiz Hot Shot nice. round. All right. Okay. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. So, uh, six really quick questions so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Uh, first of all, are you a summer or a winter person? I used to be a summer person, um, and I would have to say now I'm a winter person because that's when Make Give Live happens, and um, that's what I'm all about these days. I was gonna. I did wonder about how many <laughs> beanies would be worn during summer. Yep. yep. Um, what's on your cell phone wallpaper at the moment? Picture of my sweetheart, seven-year-old daughter. Beautiful. If you could eliminate just one thing from your daily routine, what would it be? Checking my phone in the morning, and it's for the time, but then I get distracted with all these other things, so I need to buy a little alarm clock so that yeah, it's just that. Yeah, nice and easy. What's the book that you're currently reading? It is Thank Yous, Chapter One. Hmm, by? By Daniel Flynn. He's the founder of an amazing social enterprise. Thank cool. you. Right. Um, as a kid, who was your hero? Hmm. Want to think about it and come back? We'll do the next one now and then come back on that one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I know you know the answer to this one. Your favourite TED talk? That would have to be the one that had the most, 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 most me, which would have been... Um, he founded a movement called Live Your Legend. Right. And um, his passion was about helping people find and do work that they loved. And that's when I first started to um, really believe that I could make something of um, my true passions and talents. And um, it's really funny in the video, and I didn't remember till ages later. He talks about, and if knitting is your thing, you can find somebody <laughs> killing it at knitting and learn from them. Like it was the most obscure thing he could think of. Little did he Thanks. know that there was a little Scandinavian somewhere in New Zealand listening to something. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, as a kid, who was your hero? Uh, still struggle with that one. Um, did you have like a, um, a favourite storybook character or... Was there somebody you wanted to be when you grew up? Heck, we'll leave it, we'll park it, yeah, we'll come back to it. Yeah, sorry. That's all right, no, it's all good. Um, so, Make Give Live. Uh, what is it? It is a social enterprise, so not everybody knows what that is. So it's half business, half charity. Yeah. It's an organisation that exists to... Um, solve a social or environmental problem but uses trade like a business to sustain itself 
rather than relying on grants and donations like the typical charity model. Mm -hmm. Um, So our purpose is easing isolation and improving mental health and well-being in communities through the therapies of good old human connection, social contact and knitting and crochet, which is, um, yeah, proven highly therapeutic. Um, so we have groups of people that get together every week, once a week, for a couple of hours in their local cafe or community hub or library, just to enjoy each other's company and a laugh and chat and make this collection of beautiful beanies that we sell to sustain ourselves, but we sell them as buy one, give one. So for each one we sell, we give one to a Kiwi in need, and that also gives um, our community, our makers, a real sense of purpose behind what they're doing as well. So where did you come up with the idea for Make, Give, Live? I think it's something that evolved over a period of about 18 months. Um, Yeah, the Live Your Legend TED Talk was probably one of the earliest kind of pieces of that puzzle. Mm -hmm. And I just, um, yeah, I'd had a bit of a breakdown. And so I was forced to stop and think about what I was doing with my life and why. And so I started to reassess everything and um, part of Live Your Legend was helping you discover, you know, um, your strengths and your true passions. And I went on this whole self-discovery journey, I guess you could say, and listened to a lot of different TED Talks. Um, I went to TEDx Auckland and um, heard a talk by um, Billy Jordan about hip operation Mm -hmm. and um, she was teaching older people hip hop and just hearing the difference that she'd made to their lives, giving them something to live for again, some purpose, uh, really inspired me. And then um, I've always been a creative, so I knew I needed to get back to that. And I just wanted to do something purposeful. And they say the easiest way to think about that is something you really get fired up about or you've really struggled with in your life um, that you can help others so why beanies why not like gloves or towels or (laughs) i don't know scarves or i've always had a thing for beanies and um i love that they are um quite quick to complete like i don't think a lot of our makers would feel terribly inspired to make big jumpers or long scarves or it's just something you can get that um quick satisfaction with finishing and um yeah, everybody needs a beanie in oh, winter, and um, you can have so much fun with the designs of them. And on average, how long does it take one of your knitters to knit a beanie? Do you know? Uh, like well, in one of your two-hour sessions? The designs are really varied. So yep. like a simple chunky one that you seem to like the look of called the bobby. Yeah. Um, they can do in a faster knitters can do in a couple of hours and then we've got ones that have color work and pattern and a lot more detailed and yeah that would take quite a few hours but a lot of them you know the the catch-up is more of a social time um and then they love having something to do in the evenings um and when they're on their own and um yeah so they and so you come up with your idea and you obviously start talking to some of your friends about it Mm. And I know that you've got a couple of mentors on board because I've seen you with your mentors mm-hmm. looking at stuff and everything mm-hmm. else. Did anybody say to you at any stage, Claire, you're crazy? 
Or did you think, mm, maybe, I don't know if this is going to work? I think it was maybe me that thought I, mostly me that thought I was crazy. Yep. Most people around me were um, really supportive, but I don't think I told a lot of people for quite a while. I was also getting really into the idea of social enterprise because I'd always been in business and I just loved the way that, um, you know, you can make such a difference and have that power in your own hands. Um, and yeah, got inspired by other ones. And it just kept, the little voice just kept on at me in the back of my head. Um, this could be something clear. Um, you know, I could help people through what I've struggled with, which um, has been um, a fair bit of depression. And yep. just the only things that got me through that were being around people and friends and getting back into knitting and crochet that I hadn't done since I was a child but um, one of my best friends is really good at it and she helped me start making some things for my baby and I was like wow you know it just breaks all those negative thought patterns because you're doing something really mindful and then you have something that makes you feel good at the end of it so it was kind of that passion of knowing and the more research I did into the therapy of it and um, looking at the stats on isolation for older people in New Zealand everything just started making a lot of sense and I just really started to believe that um, this could be something powerful and so I eventually just braved up and put a little made a little Facebook event at our local library and yep. um, cross my fingers that somebody <laughs> would come and how many did you have turn up for your first session um, three and one was my mother-in-law oh, that's all good and um, the other two um, were Anne and Jean, who are still members of our Whangaparoa group, and they were quite curious about what this was all about. Um, oh no, sorry, four, and Monique, um, who's an amazing crocheter, and um, she is in her late 20s, early 30s, um, <clears throat> and she was just really supportive from the beginning as well. And I'd always, and I think I put out there, imagined it being a really good catalyst for inter intergenerational connection mm -hmm. so um, which is really powerful as well so I managed to yeah appeal to maybe new mothers because that's a time when they can feel quite isolated as well and um, yeah all ages and just to make it really successful so um, you have previously battled depression you come up with this idea it's a startup and to me this is the most ironic thing out of all of it I've got to mm -hmm. say and I think it's I laugh at this I'm almost going to class you as a warrior because this is really brave you start up a startup up that apparently according to all the research I've done is you're not that good a knitter yourself are you well you weren't when you started no and that is really ironic <laughs> yeah, a, right. lot of, yeah. a lot of um, uh, the members our community kind of joke with me and give me a hard time and yeah, it's it, it, it's been so full on, everything that um, I've needed to do behind the scenes to create it, that I've never, that I haven't really prioritized me actually enjoying um, doing some knitting. And I mean, everybody is so amazing and has a thirst for it. So it's not like I need to, you know, we need to produce extra. It's, it just gives me such satisfaction to provide it for them. But I can, I can knit. I'm just like really simple things and um, yeah, right. I just know what it does for us. So if I say to Claire, right, 
I would like you to nip me a jersey, what year could I expect it in? Um... <laughs> right. 20 or 30 <laughs> yeah, that's right. you've said enough you'll be waiting a while you've said enough right so like you said you battled with depression um, and I know that Make Give Live's got a huge role in helping people with depression like you said because socially you're getting people particularly those who are elderly to interact with one another and you're also trying to do that intergenerational thing as well which I've seen because when I come and attend some of your knitting groups, you know, all the ladies, they want to show me pictures of their sons or they want to talk about being a police officer and anything else, which they normally probably wouldn't talk to a police officer for, which is great. And it's a really good sense of community. Um, what would your advice be to somebody who was where you were when you were at rock bottom? Just reach out. Um even recently, I've really struggled, especially being the face of an organization that is advocating and promoting um, positive mental health. I still feel the shame of it sometimes. Mm -hmm. And if I feel that way, I know, and through a lot of conversations I've had, that that is um, one of the biggest barriers to asking for help um, but every time I've reached out I'm just blown away by the support that comes around me and the willingness of people to want to support and help and actually I only um, realized last night in a conversation that sometimes when I've reached out for help I have actually pushed it away or um, not really known what I wanted or needed, yep. but actually the act of just saying it and being heard yep. is actually enough. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was just reach out, like don't don't struggle alone, and put put support people in place that understand that what you go through sometimes that you can just call or meet up or have a walk or a coffee or whatever it is. And I saw that one of your things that you like doing now is according to the Herald, trimming pom-poms and going for long walks in nature, which I thought was pretty cool because, I mean, I've read a few books on depression and I know that that's um, one of Sir John Kirwan's big things is to get out and enjoy nature and something that our friends at the Mental Health Foundation promote as well. Yeah. You spoke specifically about the role of TED Talks and I love TED Talks. Mm -hmm. um, one of my favourite of all time and I'm not recommending it to you. Is, but you can go and have a look if you want um, is a man called Jocko Willink who used to be a Navy SEAL commander mm. what are some of the more inspiring TED Talks or what were the role of the TED Talks for you when you, when you battled your depression because I read a story this morning about the fact that you'd hit rock bottom and you started watching some of these TED Talks and you obviously saw the Live Your Legend one mm. and you obviously started watching a few didn't you? Yeah it just gave me a whole new perspective on a lot of things. Um, I think I'd been quite narrow-minded and had the blinkers on, like I was just always striving for success in more like survival, yeah. just always pushing, pushing, just working on my business. Um, and when I, it, it just felt like the world opened up. Um, my sisters always believed that, you know, we can all play our part mm -hmm. in um, impacting the world in a positive way. And I always thought, what can one person, what effect can one person have? And when I started to open my mind to 
the possibilities that were out there because yeah I felt like I needed to reinvent my life at that stage and um, thinking about reciprocal reciprocal giving and taking differently I can't remember the name of all the names of all the TED talks but mm -hmm. um, yeah each of them it was like a journey and that each of them I was meant to watch at that stage because mm -hmm. they just helped me form this picture of empowering me to do something make change um, think about the world differently and yeah just keep going so you went one step further from what I've read because you actually started organising some Live Your Legend meet-up events in Auckland, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I did become um, a local host yeah. uh, for a year and that was really... And who did, who did you have come and talk at some of those? Can you remember who you had? Um, we had an amazing lady, Kate Bull, who... Um, yeah, they were all just sharing their experiences of... Um, pushing through some of the, I guess, societal expectations um, to do something a bit uh, different and meaningful to them. Um, Anthony Thompson was another one. But it was often just about sharing within the group uh, where we were at and supporting. Sometimes in the sessions we actually watched TED Talks as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it just just made such a difference being around like-minded people because, you know, when you're around, surround yourselves with those kinds of people, you feel that it's normal mm -hmm. and um, you push yourself further and believe that you can... Um, do these things so yeah it was a great time and then you meet a lady called Billy Jordan at TEDx yeah yeah all right and Billy Jordan is who she is the founder of hip operation which is a hip-hop crew of old people all right which is pretty cool and I before we started I said to Claire I'll show you how small the world is so Hip Hop Operation, the movie which I'm guessing you've seen, mm -hmm. was filmed by a good friend of mine, Be Bevan, who was the cameraman for Brian and Bobby. So there you go, really? so go <laughs> full circle. So yeah. Billy Jordan in inspires you because she's doing some amazing things with some of those. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen Hip Hop Operation, get into it because it's an amazing movie. And then you go out and that kind of is like the final step to get you up and away with Make Give Live or not? Or was uh, that... No, that was another piece of the puzzle, yep. maybe about midway through. Um, yeah, I, I think in thinking about the knitting and crochet as well, I just thought it's something so accessible, like you can do it anywhere, all you need is some wool and a couple of needles or a hook, you don't need like big machines or anything. Um, and I just, I love beautiful things and design and I know that there's so many um, older people out there because they grew up with that skill and, and have that skill and this ability to make amazing things but they often um, don't know what maybe their children kind of styles they want for their grandchildren or um, what is popular at the time and so um, maybe some of their creations are not appreciated by the mm -hmm. people they want to give to um, but knitted and crocheted products 
um, we're becoming a lot more um, trendy and I think valuable also in the sense that they are slow produced, like handmade. Yeah. Um, I think we're coming back to appreciate a lot of those things again as a pushback against the mass production and, and all that other stuff. Um, so I just saw an opportunity to engage those people with amazing skills to do something that people want and is in demand. Um, and also pass on those skills. But actually what was really um, fascinating sometimes and I loved was when um, the younger members who may be self-taught on YouTube or you know has these new techniques teach the older ladies who have been knitting for 30 years or so a new trick and they're <laughs> like wow I've been knitting for so long I never knew you could do that that's awesome yeah. so you've literally gone from yourself and three people at the library one mm. of whom's a relative so that really doesn't count <laughs> and how many groups have you got now operating for Make Give Live around New Zealand? Um, this winter we've doubled from five to ten and yeah there's so much more to do there's mm -hmm. so many people waiting to be involved. And you've got um, when I read about it earlier on you've got actually got waiting lists of people waiting to join is that right? Yeah. Yep so that's that's pretty cool so um so where do you go with it? What are the big plans for the future? I mean, I know you can't tell us all of them, mm. but mm. Uh, let's say in another five years' time, where do you see Make Give Live? Has everybody in New Zealand got a Make Give Live beanie? I hope so. I really do. That would be amazing. Um, or, you know, um, have you narrowed it down to 20 groups? Um, are there Make Give Live franchises on every corner? Um, who knows? Uh, we'd love to be in most towns and cities around New Zealand, particularly the rural ones, because there are a lot more isolation in those sorts of areas. And what we'd really love to work towards is enabling the whole cycle of making, giving and selling within communities. Mm -hmm. So say a local, um, we focused on wholesaling to retailers this winter. So we're looking to create little, um, ecosystems where a local retailer will support a local group by selling the ones they make and empowering that local group to decide where the need is in their community where they want to do the giving to um, we have a group in Topo and they give to um, women's refuge they just make ones to give and that's run by a lady who owns um, a store spacecraft and um, sells albinis through there and does an amazing job with that so that's where I first got the idea that that could work as mm -hmm. a little um, ecosystem. So we really need to focus on, you know, really creating all the resources and everything needed for a group leader to take it on and make it happen in their community. So that's going to be more of our focus over this summer. I was going to say, because you don't stop in summer, do you? You just continue knitting so that when winter comes around, you've got enough stock there. Cause yeah. Yeah. We do slow down a little bit and we have started making some summer slash Christmas products, mostly out of cotton. So we do these beautiful um, washcloth sets and um, crocheted Christmas tree decoration stars and um, and things like that. Not and Christmas stockings yet? No. Oh, there you go. You can, have that, you can have that one for free. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you right. can come and join our yeah, design yeah, yeah, team yeah, anytime. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, we keep making um, through the summer ones that we'll give um, the next season. So we have a nice big stockpile waiting. 
um, yeah, and sometimes we sort of say, you know, we can have a break over um, in January and um, often in a lot of the groups the ladies say, um, no, I really need to keep coming and meeting every week. I'll be here. Um, and they just keep going because it kind of keeps them sane. <laughs> yeah, and like for the quick sort of cups of coffee, I've popped in or I've said hello and everything else. It's obvious that it's actually, to me, it looks from the outside looking in, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it actually looks more like a bunch of friends just knitting as opposed to a social enterprise, if you know Absolutely. what I mean. Absolutely, and that is what we've tried really hard like it's very challenging having a business aspect to this because mm. there is no we don't like to have any control like everything is designed around their our community's enjoyment um and and pleasure and therapy in it so we don't say you need to produce a certain amount of beanies or these are the ones you need to make or there's just so so much flexibility and with that does come challenges they all choose what they want to make depending on their skills and um yeah they make what they make and we work with that so and yeah the friendships oh my gosh they become like family yeah like, you can tell from some of the banter that goes on in yeah, those groups yeah, yeah they're pretty merciless yeah. yeah yeah but they just they have each other's backs outside of the group as well mm -hmm. um you know if somebody goes down with illness or um grief or whatever it is you know they, they're there and supporting and taking meals and um yeah just becomes an amazing support group um and i guess that brings me on to the next question because i read something that you've actually got a couple of men involved in make of love now as well yeah it's it? yeah. really exciting yeah, yeah, yeah could they knit before they joined um, one could, one can, but, um, there's one in Topor yeah. and, um, there's one in the Point Chev library group, um, who has, yes, struggles with learning a little bit. So it's almost like he relearns each session, but mm -hmm. it, it's just really good for him to be, um, doing that sort of thing for his yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and also getting out and about and everything Absolutely. else, I guess. Um, so, I read that you guys were getting involved with a give a kid a blanket. Yeah, we... Um, What's that? And, and how's that working? That is a charity that collects warm things from the public and gets them to people that need them. Um, they started off with blankets for kids, hence the name, but... Mm -hmm. um, when Becky, our impact manager, took a box of um, 180 or so beanies to them this winter, they gave her a tour of um, their amazing premises with just like rooms and rooms and sorting and packing and boxes and volunteers and um, yeah, she was just blown away by what they do. Um, so they have amazing connections with social workers and people that are on the ground um, with people struggling, um, you know, living in garages, whatever it is, just not having enough warmth over winter and getting warm stuff to them. So we were so pleased to be able to contribute to that in some small way and know that um, what we do is going to the right place. Which brings me to the 64 sort of million dollar question I guess is how do you guys decide what groups your local Make Give Live group gives your beanies to? Because from what I'm 
if I understand it correctly with your model, the local make give lig group decides where they're going to give the the extra beanies to. Is that correct? Um, not yet. Okay. Not in Auckland is yep. a bit more centralised. Um, Topol because they're further away, and we have two groups in Christchurch. They will also decide. Um, because we don't really know those communities as well as, of course, the people that live there. But in Auckland, things are a bit more centralised, so our groups here, all the Give Beanies come back to um, a central place. And then, um, yeah, we mostly partner with LifeWise and um, Age Concern Auckland to give to older people in need. But, um, yeah, this year, we ended up giving to a couple of other charities that we felt were a good fit and um, knew that our products would go to the right place as well. Right, so so how do people either help you out, join Make Give Live, or become part of, I'm not even going to call it a social enterprise movement, your movement, because <laughs> it is a movement. How do they become part of it? How, um, do they just turn up and join the local knitting group? Do they go into your Facebook page and say, is there any mm -hmm. chance I could? We um, we have a form on our website, which is makegivelive.com, and then it's slash join us, with a hyphen in between join and us. And there's just a very simple form on there to let us know that you're interested and um, what you enjoy doing and what times of day suit and whether or not you'd be um, up for the task of being the group leader, which um, doesn't involve a lot of work. It just means somebody to show up every week and um, give out projects and and be that host, which um, that's the key driver and where we can set up groups because, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we're forming a picture of where the demand is of people to join a group. And as soon as we have sort of eight people the ideal size for our groups are about eight to twelve people so it stays intimate we don't like them getting too big mm -hmm. so when there's a cluster of people in an area and there's someone who put their hand up to lead the group then um, we like to get that going for them and you have got a fairly good well I know you have because you used to be involved in communications you've got a really good like social um, media presence as well haven't you so you're on Facebook yep. as Just Make Give Live. Yep, Make Give Live. And Instagram as make give live. Just Make Give Live. Anywhere else? Or is that it? No, uh, and your website, yeah, obviously. Yeah, and website. No, we like to just keep it simple in terms of platforms at the moment. Yep. Our resources are stretched. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> okay, all right. So, um, so uh, it's a question I ask everybody. And I ask the question is, uh, the reason I ask the question is because somebody emailed me and said, what do you ask that question? I had a good friend of mine who did a play once who a uh, gentleman faked his own death and he stood behind the curtains as they were reading his eulogy at his funeral to hear what everybody could say about him. So the question I'm going to ask you now is, if you were at your own funeral what, or at your own service, what would you like people to say about Claire? <laughs> I right. have actually done that exercise before. It's really fascinating and I think that helped me get to where I am. Um, I would like them to say she was a person that really cared about people, um, that gave back to her community, that made a difference in the world, even in some small way, that was kind and generous. Um, Kept a lot of heads warm. Kept a lot of heads warm. Especially during winter, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, awesome. Okay. And yeah, so, that 
is all of our questions, as you can see from my pages. Can I just go, go. back quickly to how people go? can support us? You can, go. Buy our beanies, please, online. Um, yeah, we have an online shop and we stock um, some stores as well. And also, if you have a store and are interested, please check us out. But um, yeah. Yeah, no, please make sure you do. Um, Claire and my local group um, have uh, wonderfully donated me a hat for world alzheimer's month and my beard growth campaign so thank you very much for that again Pleasure. claire very often gets a, f a message from me sort of saying oh i'm supporting this <laughs> cause and she's always willing to help me out so i appreciate that very much please do make sure that you check out the make give live website please make sure that you do support them because the way it works is for everyone that you buy they give one to somebody in need which is a wonderful wonderful thing especially when it's going to the elderly wasn't that bad was it clear it was pretty easy in the end no you made me very comfortable right. there. and she's been Fine. sneaking pretty painless <laughs> yeah sneaking peeks at my questions as well and <laughs> what she doesn't realize is i'm all over the place when i ask questions as well so you never know what's coming up no that's easy now we've almost finished who was your hero as a kid can you remember yet or not you're just going to pass on that uh, one nelson mandela like I am originally from Zimbabwe. I'm actually half and half now. I call myself a Zewi. Beautiful. Um, and yeah, he was just a role model in terms of just standing up for what was right and being brave and being about people. I really believe that um, it's people that make us who we are and the world a better place. So Beautiful. Well, please, on the behalf of all the people who have ever brought a make of live just keep on doing the magic you're doing because it's awesome all right thank you no worries all right i appreciate your support and that was that that was clear concert we'll see you uh next week for episode number seven take care stay safe Cappuccino with Constable Brian. Real people, real stories. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss his next podcast.